Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in today. Here on YouTube, you can always find the audio versions of these over at pathtozion.com. Back when this used to be an audio-only podcast program, um, that's where everything originally was only found. But of course, now we do primarily videos and uh, audio-only on occasion. Uh, but thank you for tuning in. We've been hearing from people in different places of the world that are being very encouraged by what we're presenting and what we're just saying. This is what we hear the Spirit saying in this hour. Um, specifically, the last series that we put out, the three-part video series, Fashioning Idols Out of Covenantal Earrings, I've considered doing that series compiled down, condensed down rather, into one maybe 30-minute episode. Um, I haven't decided about that yet or not. I don't like that because there's a lot of details that are missed if you don't watch a multi-part series in its entirety. But that being said, I'm considering doing that. Now, if you have not seen that program, I would highly encourage you to watch at least part three, um, Fashioning Idols Out of Covenantal Earrings. I believe that the Father really revealed some things as I studied those scriptures and paralleled Exodus 32 with Acts chapter 17. And I won't get into that now for the sake of time, but I do encourage you to watch that. Again, at least part three, which is the culmination. Now, you'll miss a lot if you miss one and two. They're basically 30-minute parts, so you're going to need an hour and a half of time. But, friend, we watch movies. We watch sports. Well, we don't, but... It's very normal, of course, to spend time watching just things that don't really do anything other than entertain us, distract us. And I get it. I have my own issues and other avenues of life. But we have to be sober. We have to be attentive to the hour that we live in. And, and I'm just convinced that every moment we spend in the Word of God and listening to men um, share about the Word of God and their perspective, and it just... It builds our faith. It, it, it literally feeds our spiritual man. It's very likely you will feed your natural man today. Why? Because, because you have a drive. You have a, a desire to eat. <laughs> you have a desire to put food in your mouth, in your belly. Um, and therefore, also, you will live. Now, same thing, of course, spiritually speaking. Now, all that be as it may. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes today just about some text that I, I was reading this morning. Um, this is going to be one part. This is going to be very simple. I'm not going to say it's going to be short because we know better. Um, but I named this, I titled this message today, Father's Unrelenting Love. Father's Unrelenting Love. Um, and I just want to briefly touch on a biblical pattern that should both sober us and encourage us both. Um, if we really, really, really want to be a people that please Father, Yahweh, if we want to be found pleasing in His sight, which is what we talk about to no end here on this program, this will help us do that. Um, and so the primary text we're going to be in today is in Zechariah chapter 7. Um, and I'm just going to read some verses, and, and I'm going to start in verse 5. Again, Zechariah chapter 7, starting in verse 5. And we're just going to read, and then we'll just get right into uh, the meat of what we're going to talk about. Okay, so, so we know that Zechariah is a prophet, and of course the word of the Lord comes to him, and 
He's hearing, thus saith Yahweh Elohim. In verse 5, this is the word of Yahweh um, coming to him saying, quote, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you have fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, these 70 years, 70 years of fasting, 70 years of mourning, was it actually for me that you fasted? Now again, this is Yahweh speaking, telling to the prophet, telling the prophet to tell the people this, ask them this question. For those, those 70 years now of fasting and mourning, check your heart and ask yourself, was that really for me? Was that really about me? Verse 6, and when you eat and drink, do you not eat for yourselves? And do you not drink for yourselves? Are not these words which Yahweh proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with its cities around it, and the Negev and the foothills were inhabited? Then the word of Yah comes to Zechariah and says this, Thus has said Yahweh of hosts, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. Don't devise evil in your hearts against one another. Verse 11, and this is, this is where we're getting to for today. But they refused to pay attention, and they turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. So just a note as we move along here in the text. These are actions that the individuals themselves took. These are actions that they made, that they instated. We, I have to be clear because like we see how in the scriptures how Yahweh would harden the hearts of kings, of rebellious ones, and to accomplish his purposes. But this here is very clear in the prophecy that comes from Yahweh to Zechariah to instruct the people and tell them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim. The people have refused to pay, to pay attention. The people have turned a stubborn shoulder. The people have stopped their ears from hearing. And it goes on in verse 12. And they have made their hearts like flint, so that they could not hear the Torah, the law, and the words which Yahweh of hosts had sent by his Spirit through the former prophets. Therefore... Great wrath came from Yahweh of hosts. And it came about that just as he called, and they would not listen, so they called, and I would not listen, says Yahweh of hosts. And he talks about scattering them um, with a wind among the nations and desolation coming. Now we're going to stop right there. That's how chapter 7 culminates, okay? And so let's talk about this for a few moments and, and stick with me because the last couple verses we just read is what's going to lead us into what we're really going to discuss for just a few moments here today. Let's first of all, let's talk about motives. Okay, we, we talked about this and tackled it in the three-part series that I've already mentioned, where we looked at how Yahweh's looking upon people has always been about the heart. It's always been about the heart and motives and intentions of men. That's not some New Testament reality, New, new Covenant um startup idea. It's always been about the hearts of men from day one. And so we talked about that in the Earring series, that worship and obedience has always been about the hearts of men. It was in Old Testament days, and it is now. It will always be this way. 
The Father does not look according to how man looks. It's not about a ritualistic show, although, of course, it is about doing something. We could spend all day talking about the doing. <coughs> Excuse me, what? Righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteous deeds. A life in our epoch of time, here on the earth now, post-Yeshua coming and ascending, and Holy Spirit coming in the measure that he did in um, the Acts Pentecost reality, we're filled with the Spirit. Why? Empowered to walk like Messiah walked, to do what he did, and to not do what he didn't do. We have been empowered through the new covenant reality where what? We'll talk about, of course, later, where the Torah, the law of Elohim that was on tablets of stone has now become what? Upon the hearts of men. Okay, it was not eradicated or altered. It was moved. There was a transference of location. This is very important for us to understand who we are today in Christ. We can be as guilty today of hollow, empty, and ritualistic, which is really just fleshly, worship of Yahweh in our own modern-day gatherings, merely going through motions. I'm sure all of us, if we're honest, at some point of our life, we're in a worship service, we're in a public gathering, an assembly of whatever sort and flavor we've all been in and through, or are presently in, and what are we doing? We're thinking about something else. We're Now, now, this can become a, a, a cookie-cutter Christian pastor message with ease, but we're not talking about, like, are you paying attention in church? Are you thinking about the football game and the lunch buffet? This is much deeper than that. We're talking about the posture of our hearts being towards the Father and His face and, and, and giving Him adoration and wor true worship, true in spirit and in truth, which is not just a mental connection with, with God, we're talking about something much greater that, that can't just be fabricated. It's literally the, the function and operation, I guess, of our heart, of our innermost place that is directed, pointed to the Father in worship, in spirit, and in truth. But all of us, of course, have been found at some point of our life going through the motions, just kind of mindless. We're not really you know, to use modern verbiage and vernacular, we're just not really into it. We're not feeling the spirit or whatever we have to be careful we call it. But just like these that, that, that Yahweh is exposing in this um, chapter of Zechariah, in, in chapter 7, even those who had fasted and, and mourned and surely brought animal sacrifices, they were just... As, as Yahweh exposed, was that really for me? Now, equally, here we are today in 2021. He could say the same. Is, are you really doing these things, ministry? Are you really, you know, let's, let's update our verbiage, as opposed to mourning and all these things, uh, fasting. Of course, we still fast and mourn. It's not like those are past tense, but to use a more modern-day verbiage, is your ministry, is the ministry of your life really, really unto Yahweh? Or is it for this or this or this? We could name all these things. We're no better. We're no different. We're no better. We're no different. Now, now months ago, I studied this word flint. Um, I'm going to touch on that briefly because it's very intriguing to me, and I think it is applicable to explain why. Th because these people's hearts were made like flint. Um it was understood to be this uh, corundum, 
um, and it's it was a it was a mineral that was the, considered the second hardest mineral on Earth, only second to the diamond, and this corundum flint was known to be it's not unbreakable, but man, when you hit flint corundum, it's not not much is going to happen. It, it was again the second hardest mineral that's found naturally in the Earth. Okay, and so. The, the ground down form of corundum or flint that shows up in the scripture elsewhere, this is fun Bible study stuff to just follow words and, and, and in this case, minerals. <laughs> um, it's called emery. Um, you've heard of an emery board your wife uses to grind down her fingernails and drive you crazy. Thankfully, my wife doesn't do that anymore, but I remember those days. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 3, Yahweh tells the prophet that, quote, he has made his people's foreheads as hard as emery. Now, in this case, it was a good thing. It was so that they should not fear their enemies. He told them about the strength of their enemies, but he had made their heads like emery. He had made them, them strong, capable of standing up against the blows of their enemy. And again, emery was the ground-down form of flint, corundum. We see flint, they had, and I'm trying to make a, just make a premise here of the condition of their hearts by their own willful desires and purposeful endeavors to harden their hearts. Okay. Interestingly, I think, in the Hebrew, this word is shamir. In Greek, it is adamas. Now, adamas is the equivalent of the diamond. In, it appears throughout the Word of God, this adamas. And it's, it's connected to a word that you would say, oh, okay, um, adamant. When you are adamantly set against something, what? I will never, I would never, I won't, right? You are adamantly, you're hard, you're firm, solid, set, unmovable. And as we see with Flint and with Emery, it can be a good thing or it can be bad, depending on the context. Again, and then we'll just move on from this. I just like talking about these nerdy Bible things. The, the corundum or the flint, good when it's used, when Yahweh does that to harden you and strengthen you and give you a, a hard head to take on the, the blows of the enemy. He said, I will make you capable of, of fighting your enemies. And then on the negative side, you've hardened your heart like flint corundum, and you have become untouchable, unmovable. And we know from Ezekiel and the prophecy that that is the condition of the natural man heart, the first Adam heart, adamant, we can get, get into that, but we won't today, that says, you know what? I'm rebellious. I'm hard. I'm stubborn. I will not bow my knee to your law, which is what we saw in the garden, the, the, the breaking of the, of the covenantal law of the Garden of Eden itself, which is very simple at that time. Hard-headed hard-hearted, both. And that's why that heart's got to come out. That's Friend, that's why you can't just, come on in, Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, Son of God, cannot dwell in a heart of stone. A natural, carnal, fleshly, flint-like heart cannot be his abode. It cannot be his home. That's why you've got to study Ezekiel and understand why you need the heart exchange. That stone's got to come out, and a heart of flesh has got to be put in. A heart surgery has got to be made by Yahweh Elohim supernaturally, where 
placed within you is a heart of flesh that can feel him, respond to him. And in my verbiage today, love his law. Follow his ways. You're not bucking up against it because you don't like it, don't understand it, or don't think it's applicable to you. No. Whatever you say goes, Father. I'm going to study your word to find out what you instruct me to do. And what you say do, I will do. Which is, again, what we talked about covenantally speaking. That's covenant verbiage back from Exodus 32. And so, okay, so let's get back to um, the encouraging part, okay? Zechariah chapter 7. Now, this is how I read this this morning. And as chapter 7 wraps up, we are, again, left seeing our fate, which is what? Let's just look real quick in case you've already zoned out a little bit. They made their hearts like flint. They couldn't hear the Torah, the law, and the words which Yahweh of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from Yahweh of hosts. Okay, so these people... Here we are again. Do we see a pattern? Lawlessness, lawlessness, lawlessness. We don't want your law. We will make our own rules here. We are hard-hearted deliberately to what? To what? To the law of Yahweh Elohim. We don't want you to tell us what is and what is not. We've got this. It's a pattern. It's the pattern of mankind, humanity, including Yah's people. And so, this is how I read this this morning, in this little pause in between chapter 7 and 8, and I even wrote it here in, in my notes, a little space in between chapter 7 and uh, chapter 8. And I don't want to give away what I'm talking about, but this is very simple as we talk about Father's unrelenting love. What I wrote in between chapter 7 and chapter 8 is, Yahweh's love always brings him back. His love always brings him back to his people. So that's what I want to talk about for the next little bit here um, in Father's unrelenting love. We're deliberately hard-hearted in chapter 7. And again, we, not they. Careful now how you talk about the they, they, they were, they were. Humanity, Christianity, Yahweh's people have been deliberately hard-hearted, have hated Yah's law have not wanted to be told what to do, and we respond thereby accordingly. Disobedience. Our own way, our own ideas, our own new religious systems. To what? To know God how we want to. Just like, just like Exodus 32. Just like it. This is taking too long. We're growing weary in impatience. That God on the mountain already terrifies us. I don't care what he did for us. Just, you know, not too long ago, how he delivered us from the hands of our enemies like we asked him to, even though we were rebellious and idolatrous then. We're going our own way. That, friend, is what we have done. That is what Christianity has done. All Christianity is, has done and is doing is the repetitious cycle of what always has been. Christianity is not some big new issue on the earth. It's just the modern-day flare of the same problem that God's people have had from the very beginning. We don't want told what to do, and we're disobedient. But then, as we will read in just a moment in chapter 8, we see what we always see from our incredible Father. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 8, and then maybe 14 through 23. So this is chapter 8 of Zechariah, after wrath is coming and destined by prophecy now to Zechariah for him to tell Yah's people. 
But then chapter 8 comes. Then the word of Yahweh of hosts came saying, okay? Oh, it's like, now we're not told whether this was instantaneous or or 100 years later. Well, we know it's not 100 years later, but it's pretty. I would assume pretty close in, in time. Yahweh's thinking. And I think his love brings him back. Verse 2. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, I am exceedingly zealous for Zion. Yes, with great wrath I'm jealous for her. Now he's still in that wrath mode. There's stinking stiff-necked, rebellious, hard-hearted people. Their hearts are as hard as the second hardest mineral on the whole earth. Dang it. (laughs) But verse 3. Thus says Yahweh, I will return to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of Yahweh of hosts will be called the holy mountain. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, old men and old women will again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each man with a staff in his hand because of his age, and the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, If it's too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, will it also be too difficult in my sight, declares Yahweh of hosts? Thus says the Yahweh of hosts, Behold, I'm going to save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I will bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they will gather, or excuse me, they will be my people, and I will be their Elohim in truth, And in righteousness, let's skip down to verse 14, because it continues. Again, Yahweh, the end of uh, chapter 17, the speaking the oracles to the prophet, full of wrath, stubborn, hard-hearted, rebellious, stiff-necked people. Wrath, wrath, wrath. He perhaps takes a breath, and he's compelled by his great, overwhelming, immeasurable love for people, for his marked people. He starts to say, I'm zealous for my people. And this is what now say this. So we pick up in 14. For thus saith Yahweh of hosts, just as I purposed to do harm to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says Yahweh of hosts, I have not relented. So I have again purposed in these days to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Also, let none of you devise evil in your heart against another. Why? Because of what Yahweh has done to you that you didn't deserve. You deserve no good. You were a vile, evil lawbreaker, a covenant breaker. Yet he loved you. So because of that, verse 17. Don't devise evil in your heart against someone else and don't love perjury. For all these are what I hate, declares Yahweh. Then the word of Yahweh of hosts came to me saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts. Do you get the the redundancy of Yahweh of hosts here? The fast of the fourth, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth months will become joy, gladness, cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts, it will 
Yet be that the peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities, and the inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of Yahweh and to seek Yahweh of hosts. I will also go. So many people and mighty nations will come to seek Yahweh of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, In those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garments or the tassels, the zitzits of a Jew, <clears throat> of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard what Yahweh is doing with you. So, friend, do you get this little snapshot vision, if you will, of the prophesied day of the ingathering of Yahweh's people? In his kindness, in his mercy, in his unrelenting love, he still is compelled to draw all his people back unto himself. We deserve, we, number one, I don't even deserve to be included. I shouldn't have even got the invitation to become part of his people. And I should surely not be invited to this scenario with joy and gladness and rejoicing and children dancing in the streets declaring Yahweh is good. He is full of kindness. Now, Yahweh is justifiably angry with his people, with us, and he should be. We do understand that, right? <laughs> but he has perfectly kept every single covenantal promise. We turn away from him every single time. That's what we talked about in the last series. We are the covenant breakers. Yahweh is perfect. His law was perfect. The Torah was perfection. Perfect law. Perfect. Designed by the creator, the lawgiver himself. He did nothing at all to taint it or make it bad or to change or alter it whatsoever. We broke the covenantal commands of the Father. It is all our responsibility and all our doing. He's the perfect covenant-keeping king. So why? why? Why are we covenant breakers? Why do we do this? Well, I'd like to back up and insert some thoughts towards the in-between of this space between chapter 7 and 8 of Zechariah. We know that Yahweh doesn't just love his people, okay? It's not just something he does. I'm not saying he doesn't love his people, but because we're told it's, he, he loves with a jealous love, but we have to remember that, that we're told in 1 John 4 that he is love. It's Yahweh's literal essence. It's who he is. He cannot help it. He can't help himself but love his people because he is the personification of love. It's the, it's the primary component of his literal existence. He is love itself. And just like the flint, his love will be a blessing to one and a curse to another. Okay? So it's a beautiful gift to one that receives him, that receives his ways, that loves his law and won't buck up against it and create his own ideas and his own system to function within to please and approach the king, which is, again, what we talked about. This is such a message that's got to be heard in the church. We cannot approach, approach Yahweh Elohim in our own ways, our own ideas. It is idolatry, as we made crystal clear in all three of those parts in the last series. But if you harden your heart and go your own way and become a lawless, rebellious people, it's a curse. Why? He's the creator of all things. It is entirely up to him what he does and what he does not do with his creation, you and I. 
Let's look at Psalm 115 real quick. Psalm 115. I didn't mark it. You know how it goes here. Sometimes we're organized and sometimes we're not. Psalm 115. Let's just read a little of it. Not to us, not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name give glory. He has a name. We talked about that too. Not like Acts chapter 17 where where Athens, Greece had set up altars to an unknown God. An altar to an unknown God, that is what Christianity has done. God, G-O-D. But how many times do we see in the scriptures we could spend the rest of our lives talking about scriptures like this, but to your name we give glory. He, in his kindness, extended to us the ability to know his name. He told us. He revealed his name. Why would we call him something else? Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth, why should the nation say, where now is their Elohim? But our Elohim is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver, their gold, the works of man's hands. They have mouths, but they can't speak, eyes, but they can't see, ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. Feet, but they can't walk. They can't make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them and everyone who trusts in them. We could read all this. It's awesome. But I wanted to hone in on that. Our God, our Elohim is in the heavens. And guess what, friend? He does whatever he pleases. He does whatever he pleases, and we had better be okay with that if we're going to call ourselves according to his name and call ourselves his people. Because the Father is, is full, overflowing with, made up of unrelenting, jealous love. And he will have a people that are a single-minded, focused people, not, not double-minded and, and split in their heart towards who and what they worship. Yahweh is a jealous Elohim, and what he says goes, period, period, period. I have no issue with that. How about you? Read the scriptures that talks about strict commands. Not just, I'm not talking about just Deuteronomy and Leviticus. I'm talking about New Testament stuff, which is all commentary on what preceded anyway. How do those things sit with you? Do you buck up in your heart and say, that doesn't matter today. That was cultural. That was all these justifications that we do. Are there any areas in your heart that have become hardened towards the Father? Any rebellion or deliberate disinterest in following all of his ways? Now, I'm not talking about disobedience and ignorance. I know that there are still many areas in my life where I am disobedient unto the commands of the Scripture because I'm ignorant. It's not excusatory. It's factual. I'm talking right now in this episode specifically about deliberate disobedience, hard-heartedness. Because as we saw in um, the text in Zechariah, the people did these actions by their own volition. They themselves instituted the conditions of their heart and how they hated Torah. They hated Yah's ways, and they were, they were willingly, vehemently really, defying what he had commanded them to do. In order to be there to be his people. If you're going to be my people, this is what you do. If you're not going to be my people, that's fine. But you know what? These are still true. This is still the law of the land of Yah's people. But whether or not you are my people <coughs> is signified by whether or not 
You walk in my ways, my statutes, and my covenantal promises. So we're talking direct conscious denial of pursuing and embrace and embracing our own ways instead of his. In in verse 7, 12, specifically of Zechariah, Yah's people hardened themselves to the point that they could not even hear his Torah. I'm not going to go back there because we're running a bit long. It literally says they could not even hear. They were deemed incapable of hearing the Torah. I think that's a lot of where we where we are and where we have been. That was my Christian life. I didn't even I didn't even have an ear to hear it. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit somehow unclogged my ears to that and all the world changed in my entire life towards seeing my identity and who in the world my father was to begin with. They couldn't hear his Torah and they couldn't hear the words sent by his spirit through the prophets. That's quotating. That's quotations of Zechariah 7 verse 12. Now to bring this to an end, we have been no different. But but he is a jealous, loving, unrelenting father. An Elohim that longs to love us and to bring us back to himself. His love always brings him back. His, like we saw, if we could see a little snapshot of time in the heart of the Father, I believe, between chapters 7 and verse and chapters 8, chapters 7 and 8, I think we would see him. <sighs> I love these people so much. I love them so much. I can't turn my back on them forever. I can't. I can't walk away. We've been no different, though. We've been stiff-necked, hard-hearted, rebellious. And so because he is always pursuing us and relentless with his jealous love, let us therefore not squander it, but let's turn back to his ways, his Torah, his perfect, perfect, perfectly ordered ways for his people, how they function, how they are consecrated, how they are holy as he is holy. We have been told. The words of his prophets, let's not despise them. Let's love them and embrace them and learn from the error of those who went before us. And let us teshuvah, let us, let us turn in repentance. Let us turn, turn away and turn back, turn away and turn back. Turn towards the Father. Run back to him with our whole heart. For he is love. He cannot help himself. I love that about the Father. I feel like I'm learning that more year after year. He can't help himself but to pursue his people and to love them, to love us. So this leads us where every single thing leads as of late. This entire calendar year leads to what? The covenants of Yahweh Elohim. His beautiful covenant, old, new, where the new covenant is prophesied in, in Jeremiah 31 is like so many studies that I do, so many topical readings I do. goes all the way back to the promises in Jeremiah chapter 31 of what will take place in the new covenant and what the new covenant even is. And, and of course, it is not some new idea that Yahweh had that played out through the Son, where he just fixed, fixed all these problems. No, <laughs> he didn't institute, he didn't desire to institute a new people or a new religion. It is the continuation of what has always been. 
Jeremiah 31. I have to read it. All this stuff in my Bible. All right, we're going to cover that next time. I got notes falling out, and I'm going to make a mess. Jeremiah 31. It tells us clearly that this is a continuation of what has always been. Torah was on the tablets of stone and moved upon the hearts of men. This is all about the heart. Again, this is all about the condition of one's heart. I have loved you. Therefore, I have continued to extend this incredible love into the new covenant reality is basically what it's saying. The Torah that was on the tablets was moved to the hearts of men in the new covenant reality. He says in, in Jeremiah 31, in greatly paraphrased form, I have loved you, past tense, present tense. I have loved you all throughout this timeline. Therefore, I will, I will extend to you the invitation into a new covenant reality where something that was outward moves inward upon the heart. Now, this is why, this is why I say this, because the heart is of utmost importance. The Torah of Yahweh cannot be written upon a heart of stone. You get the play on words. We don't have to really explain and extrapolate all of this, do we? A heart of stone, the external writing that was the old, the former, is now being written by Yahweh himself upon a heart of flesh in his people that can be impressed upon by his very hand, friend. He has continued to extend the incredible love that he is into the new covenant reality. He is a jealous, loving Elohim. He was, he is today, and he forever will be. This is what should be our fuel to be an obedient people. We're not talking ritual. We're not talking empty, hollow bringing sacrifices of praise to the Lord because that's what he wants. Oh my gosh, no way. That's not what it was before and that's not what it's to be today. Gratefulness from our heart, our heart of flesh after it's been exchanged, rightly responding to Yahweh's unrelenting love for us. Because again, to close this one out, I believe in Zechariah chapter 7, Right after that, in between there and verse 8, Yahweh has a pause. And he cannot leave his people. He can't. When he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that's just one of the dozens, hundreds of ways, hundreds, thousands of ways Yahweh has showed us that he has unrelenting love for his people. So, friend, I hope you know that today. And I hope your heart is postured to be a responsive people. That is what fuels me to worship my Father and to keep His ways and to walk in His covenantal statutes that bring me His covenantal blessings because He is good, because there's no good in me outside of Him. 
But he is good. Friend, I hope you know that. If you don't, reach out to us. PathDesignPodcast at gmail.com. If this is all craziness to you, ask us a question. Send us a challenge. Tell us why you believe this is incorrect. That's okay. We love that. Thank you for those of us who, those of you who are emailing us. We have people from different parts of the world that are saying, you know what, brother, I, th- I hear the spirit of truth in this. Amen and thank you. It means a lot to us when you let us know that you're actually out there and that you're watching. It blesses me to no end. We read every email that comes. So thank you for that. Go to pathdesign.com. Go to the YouTube page. Subscribe. Do all those things that you want to do to share this content, to encourage the body that our Yahweh Elohim is a jealous, loving Elohim. Thank you for watching. Amen.